your eyes up, don't get all tied up Hope you wise up, the multiple lies of the multi-faceted, multi-complex system of living that people are living Stuck in inertia, that's a diversion, government worship, instead we are searching Ancient mysteries, ancient history, sacred energy, and how to discern it Human autonomy, truth and philosophy, UFOlogy, human psychopathy, super anomalies, human ecology You got lobotomies up in your consciousness, all the thoughts that we've been dancing around The system wants to blow your candle out, but we won't let it We reject it with our pathetic lies, so we chant it down Welcome back to Janet Down. This today is a swap cast. It's a swap cast with subconscious realms and Dave Petrella, who has a YouTube show. Uh, so today we're going deep into some rabbit hole stuff that'll uh, interest you if you're interested. We're going to talk about some alien species, some uh, you know hybrids and things from the past that may have happened on this planet, and just kind of finding out, figuring out this crazy mystery we call planet Earth talking about all kinds of stuff um so if you don't know general lee general lee is the host of subconscious realms and i recommend you listen to his podcast i've been on there as a guest at least three times that i know of and if you want to hear my guest spots just go to the homepage of channeldownradio.com scroll down until you see all my guest spots and check his show out anyway he has great guests and great conversations from all kinds of people and names you may have heard of before and so, also check out Dave Fratrella and his YouTube channel. We talked about some interesting things here. This information stretches many ways. This information goes all over the place. And this one does go well with the last show that I had with Barbara Lamb. So it's kind of an extension of that conversation in some way or some form. But so this information goes all over the place. And of course, I'll be back, you know, fighting the good fight in the next show. Uh, but, you know, I like to bring you all sorts of information because it's really, we're unraveling this onion we call planet Earth. There's so many layers to it, this whole experience that we're here in doing life right now. There's so much to it, you know, there's the corruption side, there's the mystery side, there's there's the, the, the whole just looking at reality 
and there's so much and that's why I like to cover it all on 10 and down uh, I'm not shy of going anywhere because I think the information needs to go as long as we're always in the search for truth we're going in the right direction so enjoy this swap cast the subconscious realms and Dave Petrella much love 10 and down Uh, welcome to another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee, and for tonight, uh, we've got a swapcast with two incredible returning guests. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Dave Petrella and Loomis from Chant It Down Radio. Now then, gentlemen. Hey, General. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, yeah, General, thank for making this happen. It's been a long been too time long, coming. Loomis. Yes, yeah. too long. Too long, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many I attempts know. we've had, but it's been oh, a lot. Oh, we've had loads out with me. And I, like, yeah. I, shit I went through and connection and all that malarkey. Um, but we're here now, and that's all. We're here now. Just, it was meant to happen now. Now, right now. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, before we hit record, Dave mentioned the new Skinwalker Ranch series. I've not seen any of it yet. But I'm intrigued, Dave. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, just to kind of kick it off, you know, I did work with the Curse of Oak Island uh, television show in 2017 and 2018, and it's the same um, production company. It's called Prometheus Entertainment. So, you know, it's on the History Channel in the United States. Uh, Anything that comes out that's on the History Channel, you know, it, it is a lot of production uh, bullshit. I'll be quite upfront with people on that. Um, and I've seen it firsthand, you know, but for the actual information, uh, if you can deal with that nonsense for a little bit, it's actually worth watching. You know, I just kind of tune out the stuff that I'm like, all right, enough of that. Let me just get to the actual inf- information here. So anyway, uh, same company and um, Oak Islands, of course, in Nova Scotia, Canada and you got Skin, a Skinwalker Ranch in the northeastern uh, part of Utah, United States. And it's really interesting um, because anything that deals with, uh, you know, anomalies specifically for me that have to do with the land, the actual ground. And uh, in this case, it's not just the ground. It's actually also in the air and below the ground. And um, they've, they've really the past, uh, is this third season or fourth season? I can't really remember. It's either third or fourth. But um, they've been getting some really strange stuff lately. And uh, the calculations that they make, you know, it shows basically they, they put a, a, either a drone or like a helicopter with some kind of GPS positioning. And they fly it over the different areas of the ranch. One of them is called the Triangle. That's kind of the big one right now. And there's some really strange anomalies actually in the air above the land of the ranch. And the thing that's been happening is uh, one of the experiments they did, they actually threw a bunch of uh, two liter, I guess, soda bottles that were uh, equipped with GPS positioners. It's actually really brilliant how they did it. And they kind of engineered that. Uh, and they, they threw them out. I think they had mini parachutes on them. And um, then they tracked the GPS positioning as as it was you know falling from I don't know, they were up a few thousand feet, I think. And one of the things that was happening was that when it dropped to, I believe it's, uh, man, I wish I got the number correct. It's either 1,000 feet or 3,000 feet uh, above this particular area of the ranch. And what happened is that when the bottle actually hits this area, it gets deflected. Like it's falling straight down. And when it hits this this uh, anomalous zone in the air, it actually gets 
shifted way out to the side. It's like something pushes it. And, um, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff, man. They got uh, footage of something flying beneath the helicopter when they passed through this zone as well. Um, they've got the most recent one, which is was probably the most exciting thing I've seen on the show since it premiered a few years ago. Was uh, It's actually the episode this past week. I don't want to spoil it for people. If uh, I'm not sure when you're going to post this general, but the episode uh, is talking about something called The Blob. They're calling it the blob, which, you know, whatever. Again, this is Hollywood production nonsense. But the point is, is that they're uh, also launching rockets up through this area. And so uh, they had a couple successful ones. One of them actually, again, got deflected. And it's, you know, one of the only spots of the ranch that will do this. It's You shoot the rocket straight up, man. It goes up about 50 feet, and then it goes, like, I'm not going to say a hard right angle, but it's pretty damn close. And then it gets shit. shot over to the side. So there's obviously something in the air, you know, some kind of anomalous energy. And people talk about vortexes a lot. Uh, they've seen um, uh, various things coming out of portals on that ranch. Uh, one of them is something along the lines of a Bigfoot. There's been uh, a very large dog with red eyes that is. Uh, Come, I think it was out of the portal as well, but then it kind of disappeared, walked across the uh, stream, and then when it crossed the stream, its uh, footprints actually disappeared. So there's all kinds of really strange things. There's tons of UAPs in the air all the time during the day, uh, at night. You know, it messes with the cattle there. Um, it's at least killed one one cow specifically, and they got a picture of a craft floating above the above the actual cow at the moment. Actually, it was at the moment that it died. They, they captured a uh, craft above that cow. So anyway, the other night, what happened? Well, the other night, what happened? Oh, it's ridiculous, man. It's just, it's way, way out there. Uh, per- perfect for you, right, Jono? Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so the thing that happened this week on the show is that they uh, launched a couple rockets up through this section in the air. And what happened was um, there was one successful one. One of them got deflected. And then the third one, man, um, and the uh, astrophysicist there, his name is Dr. Travis Taylor. He's he's been on the Curse Oak Island once as well. Uh, I tried to contact him. You know, he's he's so entrenched in Hollywood. I haven't heard anything back from him, but I try to help wherever I can, as you know. But anyway, so the third one that they sent up, it got up like 30 feet, and then it it looked like it like uh, looked like something was like slowing it down. It looked like it went through like a break a break zone, if you will. And it's like, why is this thing slowing down like that? And it slowed down so much that half of the engine actually exploded and it blew a hole through the uh, rocket casing, the bottom of the rocket casing. And everyone was like, holy shit, what, you know, how did, that, how did that happen? Travis was saying that he's never seen that happen with a store-bought rocket. He's only seen it happen with experimental rockets that he's participated in, you know, uh, launching up into the air. So it's something very strange to have happen from, a, a, again, a store-bought rocket. But the weirdest – this is the weirdest part about it, man, is they actually hired a guy to take, um, I don't know, like a thousand frame photos a second, something like that, huge number of frames, and hoping that in like you know a millisecond – if you take a picture, you, if, you, if you're off a little bit, man, and there's an anomaly, you might just miss it. So he, they, they hired him to take uh, – he had the camera angled up at the area the rocket was going through, this anomaly in the air. 
and they caught a uh it looks like a it looks kind of like pla- it's like a plasma cloud almost it's kind of like an off white like a uh not very bright but like um like a cream color almost in the sky no other clouds anywhere else in the sky just this one section and uh you know when they pause the frame this is the weirdest part of all man and, and i've dealt with this stuff i mean me and you talked about it, general in my travels through the united states i've seen lots of strange things in clouds you know uh i've seen alien heads alien bodies chieftain heads all kinds of uh, buffalo heads uh up in the clouds up in the sky and so this is not too far away this is uh the experience I had from that was actually in New Mexico, and this is just a state to the north of that. This whole area is very strange. And so what it was, man, is uh, what I saw, and I <laughs> man, I would encourage people to go back and pause it. I haven't heard anyone talking about it yet. Um, I do have an eye for things that most time people, other, most people cannot see, especially visually. Uh, so what I saw was a, uh, a large alien head, and it looked like it had two horns on it. Uh, something was coming off the side of the head, kind of looking up off to the side there. I could see the, uh, I saw two eyes. It's very hard to see it, man. You really have to train your eye, but there's definitely two eyes in there. You can see the elongated skull. And then the torso was massive, man. Uh, this, this alien, whatever it was, the way I'm looking at it is it projected itself into the sky. Probably like, uh, it was probably, well, it was at least 30 feet high. I mean, we're talking like a thirty, yeah, thirty foot tall um, alien kind of. uh, It's like something that you might find, for instance, like the Shroud of Turin. You know that story probably a little bit. You guys might be aware of that one, where you have the image imprinted onto the cloth. So it's not as if it's physical, but it's very easy for me to see it when it was paused. And you can even see, man, you can see. The end of the head, you see it's a very, very narrow neck, and then the shoulders broaden out, and it, you can see the torso going down. So basically what I'm what I'm looking at here is that it was essentially either standing on the ground or floating in the air, but a very, very tall figure. And it, it's it's scary as shit, man. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, uh, I'm, used, I'm used to this kind of stuff, but it's uh, this, is, this is what we're dealing with on the Earth. You know, it's so many things that are invisible that... I guess what it did, the way what I'm assuming happened was that the energy field from this being was so high, and I've seen this happen a lot when I do research and stuff, but if you have, say, two energetic systems right next to each other, and one of the systems has a lot of energy, the other one is right next to it, it's going to fry the one that doesn't have as much energy. So you you have, it can't, it can't deal with it, it can't integrate the high uh, amount of electric current in the local area. So that's what I believe happened here is that the, the alien was either standing or floating right there. The rocket went through it. The energy was so high that it fried the system. And of course they mentioned nothing about the shape that this, this, they call it a blob. They mentioned nothing about the shape of the blob in the sky, man. I was looking at it. I'm like, Oh my God, guys. I mean, he's, he's right there. He's right there. You know, it's a very clear entity. You can see the whole body. I need to see this day. That sounds intense. Oh, it was soap, man. I paused it for, I was looking oh. at it for like five, five minutes last night, just kind of laying there. And I was like, wow, they finally got something, uh, a visual that I'm, I'm fairly satisfied with in terms yeah. of what we're looking at here. 
and it could have been anything too, guys. You know, it could have been an angel. It could have been a, de- a demon. But no, it was an alien. <laughs> it was very yeah. clear with this the long head man. You know, it kind of tapered. It, it, the, the head even tapered to a very narrow uh, chin. And then, like I said, the neck was extremely narrow. And then you could see the shoulders brought it out and the torso went down. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I. I, I've seen a lot of um, myself, a lot of interesting things, not just in the United States, but all all over the place. But um, there is that specific area. Now, you're talking about in, in New Mexico. Is that what you were saying? Well, I saw it in if you haven't heard the show, Loomis, uh, I did a show with General and some of my journeys to the United States doing research. And the part that I saw this happen very clearly before was right around Shiprock, New Mexico. Okay. I've, also, I've also seen something really screwed up uh, just north of Jackson, Mississippi. There's a reservoir right there. I saw something floating in the sky. It looked like a kind of plasma, very similar kind of thing. I've seen it. I've seen a few places. Those are the top two. Yeah, oh, that, that specific region of the United States, the uh, deserts of the Southwest. There's there's some there's so many interesting anomalies and things that have happened there or still do happen there. Um, just when you look at the petroglyphs that the Native Americans left behind, supposedly the Anasazi, you look, go to the Grand Gallery. Um, I went there and also, um, I forget the name of it, it was a canyon, but they have these these crazy drawings on the walls of, of uh, creatures or entities that, I mean, the only reason you would draw those there is if something really big happened there. And uh, these areas where these petroglyphs are stained on the walls are not areas you would survive in. There's no water in these areas. So yeah. these these are areas that are just like in the middle of really in the middle of nowhere. And they carve these drawings on these walls Well, they didn't carve them. They stained them and they are out of this world looking beings. And um, it makes me realize that. Just from the others, your story you just told, and of a lot of things around there, um, Skinwalker Ranch, and you know we have Lovelock Cave in Nevada where there was giant uh, giants that were supposedly burned alive. There's so much in just that region of the United States. Plus, you got some interesting underground bases that the U.S. military um, is running, like. Um, uh, well, Area 51, but everybody knows about that one. But um, the one in New Mexico, I'm not. It's not coming to me right now. Dulce. Um, Dulce. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot there, just there. But I've also been to the state of Washington, to Eseti Ranch, and that is a UFO hotspot. And I've seen some incredible stuff there too. It's another one of those places, and it doesn't get as much light as Skinwalker Ranch. But I think that it's needs to um i know the show ancient aliens went there but they um didn't do a very good show because they didn't get along with the the ranch owner james gillian so much and so they cut his talk out of the picture there which is kind of suspicious um but um there i've seen you know ufos all over mount adams uh, i saw a uh big metallic craft that came over us and it's just a common occurrence people go there to actually see ufos and these plasma ufos that 
uh, power up at you. It's it's quite an experience. So uh, I think the earth is full of these hot spots. I live in Hawaii where it's also um, apparently somewhat of a hot spot, at least with my sky watchings at night. I see all kinds of things that don't make any sense to what people would say satellites are. And there's a lot going on up there. A lot of it is probably secret space force, but um, there is definitely more than just that going on too. things that are unexplainable. Yeah, it certainly is. If I, I, uh, okay. I can actually speak to, well, actually, first of all, uh, I'm actually in Washington right now. Luna, so, I oh. probably probably should. Um, I was looking at going to uh, Eseti Ranch as well, and uh, I went to uh, Rainier and I went to Mount St. Helens. I didn't have time last fall, but I probably, uh, especially since you just mentioned it, it's probably a cue to me to try to head over there and see what's going on for myself. Yeah, you um, should. But it's very very weird. Um, the Olympic Peninsula, which uh, I spent a lot of time at for the past uh, six months. Very strange stuff going on here. Uh, it's Bigfoot country. It feels like Bigfoot country um, more than anywhere I've ever been. It even feels a little bit more like Bigfoot country here than even California. And uh, this is, it's, I talk with General about it, but there's a, a strange kind of magnetism once you enter the peninsula. And it's really, it's very sudden. I mean, when you're leaving uh, Olympia and you turn north, it's very quickly. Like once you get onto the actual peninsula, you see that sign that says entering the Olympic Peninsula. It gets weird. It gets weird. You just feel like there's something around you. And um, the the thing that happens that's very interesting to me here is that the spirits that are here, they imprint themselves in everything. So that goes from uh, window panes to wood, uh, wood of uh, material of houses in the ground. And the plants, I mean, they are everywhere. The leaves, it's very, very dense uh, spiritually. Probably the most dense spiritual place I've ever been in my life. There's not a lot of room to, like, kind of spread out because when you move your hand to the left, there's going to be something there. They're all over. Um, but anyway, I wanted to speak really quickly to uh, – have you been to Lovelock Cave, Loomis? No, I actually haven't. Um, I missed that on my road trip. So in 2020 – I had an international trip planned, and of course, it got stopped by COVID. So I had this um, non-refundable ticket to LA from here, and we didn't really want to lose out on that money, so we decided to just go ahead and do a road trip. And it was one of the best trips I ever had on a, on the road because, well, we can't do road trips in Hawaii anyway. But the um, the great thing about it is what everybody was scared and at home. So I went and visited all these national parks and all these famous areas without the people. So it was extra, extra fun. Um, but yeah, so, uh, anyway, um, that, that's, was my trip that kind of was into the deserts of the Southwest. Sorry. What was your question? Did you say? Well, I was going to just comment on Love Flock Cave, um, because I had a chance to go there last fall. Yeah. And I had been wanting to go there for a long time. It was a real, excuse my language, is a real bitch getting out there because it's a dirt road for maybe 12 miles, maybe almost 15 miles, something like that. And when I say dirt road, I'm talking like pretty much an unimproved uh, washboard style dirt road. 
And so I was going like probably seven miles an hour the whole time. And I thought I was going to get there early. And of course I didn't because I don't want to destroy my car. Uh, yeah. You go too fast over the, the, the dirt and everything. But I'm like, man, there's no way I'm not going to go here. I've been trying to get here for the longest time. So I just put in a, um, I just played a, that one of my favorite CDs from when I was a kid. And I just kind of sat back and I went seven miles an hour, man. <laughs> and just, just I'm like, I'm like, Dave, just relax. You get there. It's going to take yeah. you like two hours, but you will get there. So, uh, I got out there, man. And there was only, there's one other guy there. He was actually up on the, uh, it's like a, I want to call it like a mountain. It's like a big hill, basically. It's, you know, there's no full like foliage pretty much anywhere. It's literally like all rock everywhere but um the lake underneath it used to be fairly extensive and so the idea is is that the when the lake levels were a lot higher that would have been very close to the shoreline of that ancient lake that prehistoric lake i think it's lake lahontan if i'm not mistaken i believe that's what it's called and they've even found uh they found like duck decoys in the cave a lot lots of them it's like uh, one of the most they've ever found anywhere if not the most because they used it for hunting you know, the native, the Paiute tribe used that for hunting. And so, uh, but anyway, it's a very, it's actually the quietest place I've ever been in my life. Uh, and I've thought, I went through my mind trying to think about some of the other places I've been that could match that. And there's, there's not, I was sitting out there at night. I heard nothing. I couldn't hear anything, no road noise. I couldn't even hear animals. There was nothing out there at all. And it was actually really beautiful, very beautiful experience. So I went up. It's a very short trail for people, anyone who wants to go out there. It's really easy to get to. I was uh, not that I was concerned. I'm not, I don't really get concerned about things, but I didn't want to go through a five mile hike through the desert. You know, like I, I that's not my style. I like five mile hike with some like, uh, you know, some tree cover so I can get some shade. Yeah. But what I want to one of the things I learned, this is interesting. One of the things I learned when I was working, uh, I've also spent a lot of time in Alaska, too. I used to do tourism up in Alaska. And uh, I learned from the Asian visitors that they actually use umbrellas for the sun. So I actually started doing that. And, man, it works great. It works really great because you can actually turn it uh, to wherever the sun is. And all you have to do is swivel it on your shoulder, you know, and then the umbrella is covering your back or it's covering your right side or the front or whatever. And uh, in addition to having some other coverage on the body, it works really well. I encourage people, I encourage everyone to, to do that for the sun, especially if it's very hot. It works really well. Yeah, it works really well, guys. It's surprising. Because I, yeah. I, I remember I was looking at the visitors, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is so dumb. And then I tried it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to shut up now. That's not dumb at all. It's brilliant. So the, the uh, trail itself is only like a mile and a half, probably, uh, round trip. It's a very short trail. It takes you right up to the uh, parking lot there. Very small parking lot. It's very unimproved. Um, there is like one park bench, uh, and, uh, like, excuse me, a picnic table that does have a gazebo over it. So, I, you know, I sat there for a while, but not much else. There's a little diorama there that you can read. And then you just hike up the hill. You kind of go around the back side and you come around the front and the cave is, uh, is at the front side right there. I got up to the cave. And, of course, the story is it's all about the redheaded giants, you know, that were cannibalistic, supposedly eating the tribe, the native tribe. So I was I was prepared for some heavy shit. You know, uh, when I go into highly charged spiritual situations, I prepare myself because you got to be on guard, man. You got to be careful, especially if you're spiritually sensitive to what's around you. 
And uh, I felt, I have to be honest, I felt nothing weird the whole time I was there. Uh, there was only one one really small cloud that uh, something was there, something was watching, but it was very respectful and it was good, you know, fairly neutral to good energy, no problem at all. And so I went into the cave and again, I had, I'd bring my EMF detector everywhere I go, um, which measures radio frequency. A lot of times the spirits come in through the radio frequency spectrum. They also Dave. come through the magnetic. Yes, go ahead. Oh, what no, did you, uh, you get that device from? Uh, I got it off Amazon. It's actually, ah, I, right. can, uh, I can recommend the exact one I got to both of you guys. So it's called the Cornet, C-O-R-N-E-T. And um, I don't I think I, I might I'll have look. that one. Oh, do you, man? Yeah, it's a great I, one. I right? think I may. I, it's out in the living room. I can't get it right now, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I didn't know they come through radio frequency. That's interesting. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know that either until I went out there and I actually started testing. But um, it's got the the RF, which is radio frequency band. It's got two magnetic uh, bands, which is one is the high energy and the one is the low energy magnetic, and then it has the electric, also, which I've actually never never seen a spirit come through electric. Uh, but if you go underneath the power line, let me tell you, man, it's, it registers very, very high. Stand right under the power line, flip it to the electric, and you're going to see it spike a lot. Yeah. Or, um, or in front of your laptop, or in front of your cell phone, or in front of an outlet in the wall. It, it works. It still works very well. But anyway, probably about $190 USD. It's one of the best $200 I've ever spent in my life. It's just absolutely brilliant, man. Um, even if you're not into the spirit realm and you just want to test your house to make sure there's not a bunch of like uh, stray energy coming out of your outlets or, you know, whatever it is. It's very, very helpful. So anyway, um, I went into the cave. It's a fairly large cave. I thought it would be a little bit bigger. Maybe, uh, it's on a, it's on a, it's pretty serious slant. It's not, you don't go in and it's like flat. It's like, it goes slants all the way down fairly, uh, probably 10, 10, 15 feet down off of the flat there and there's a lot of uh black charring on the ceiling from all the fires that used to be lit there whoever that was it's like caked literally caked on you can't even see the rock so much black uh of the the i don't know what you would call that man from the coals you know and uh, i felt nothing they burn didn't they burn the giants in there though wasn't that it well that's exactly the story loomis yeah is that the the idea was just that they um since they were supposedly terrorizing the Paiute people, they the story is they set fire at the entrance and then it, you know, smoked them out through I guess you know uh, carbon dioxide inhalation that says it killed them. Now, when I was up there, I didn't feel any kind of residual anything like that at all, and, and uh, I can usually pick up things that have happened in the past, you know, whatever is kind of existent on the land, and I was very shocked. Very, very shocked, man. I had a very pleasant time there. Nothing weird at all happened. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that when I exited the cave, I did smell. It was actually the opposite, guys. Like, it was a very sweet fragrance. It smelled like some kind of like a desert flower or something like that. And I looked all around me and I could not find the flower. I'm like, where the hell is the smell coming from? So I think it was some kind of a, a quantum uh, thing going on there with the scent. But uh, not bad at all. I had a great experience. I think people can have uh, all kinds of different experiences depending on how you're tuned. 
yourself, yeah. you know, but uh, I have nothing but positive things to say about that and about Mount Shasta, which I've also heard some really strange things going on there. And yeah. I felt uh, very positive energy in that town, actually. Very, very positive. So uh, I, I was, again, careful, but no, I had a great experience in both of those locations. Well, now, General, you live in the UK. I don't know where you live, but um, I my last guest I had on was Barbara Lamb. And Barbara Lamb is a famous um, hypnotherapist to um, regress people who have been abducted, yeah. uh, abductees, and as well as um, she does uh, talks about human hybrids. But she also is a crop circle uh uh, tour guide. So you have in the UK, Wiltshire County and the the surrounding area with crop circles, Stonehenge, Avesbury Hinge, and that's a yeah. very special area too with lots of anomalies. Yeah, that's uh, that's nowhere near me, mate. I'm in the northwest um, oh, between okay. Manchester and Liverpool, but yeah, yeah um, you don't really hear much of crop circles these days, but. Over the years, there's been there's been a shit ton down that way. Oh yeah, yeah. I went yeah. there in October, but I, I was too late for the crop circle season. You know. Oh, this year. Yeah, it was a layover. Oh, right. but I, yeah, yeah. I would have I would have contacted a few people like yourself if I had more time, but it was a quick little in and out. You know. Nice one, mate. Sounds yeah. good. I went to Avesbury Hinge and. I really got to take in the energy there. Stonehenge, you can't go up to those stones, and it was crowded. But when you go to Avesbury Hinge, you know, you can buy yourself with those stones and really, like, get in the zone and try to, you know, feel the energy. And I did to an extent. I mean, I'm not saying that they were full of energy. I feel like these places have maybe been turned off from what they used to be. Uh, But there's definitely something there, and... I felt a very calming feeling when I was there, uh, very connected to that area. It was, it was quite amazing feeling, actually, but nothing like mind-blowing, but just nice, nice, calming, soothing yeah. feeling when I went to those stones. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I get what you mean. Um, I can't see it being as like as intense as like what Dave's has gone through, um, <laughs> like in the US. I like what you've experienced as well. My life's crazy, man. <laughs> Would you say it was like the complete opposite of what you, you're used to? Williams? Oh, um, yeah. As in like energy-wise or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot different, you know. It's a d- different side of the world for me. Um, but I love to travel and, and go all over the place and kind of take it all in if I can. A lot of these megalithic sites that i've been to um are big tourist attractions and if i'm trying to take in the energy at those places it's just about impossible like when i went to machu picchu forget it too many people when i went to giza pyramids too many people just it's like you can't focus in on the energy too well with just at least for me uh that's just how i work too many people too much noise but I know that there's some some things to these places. Now, me and Triffin from Unlocking the Code had yeah. a discussion about the Ark of the Covenant, and one of his theories was – I know this is getting a little off topic, but uh, – is that maybe what the, arcs, the Ark of the Covenant was used to power the pyramids. 
and um, that it would fit right inside the sarcophagus, which they never found uh, any mummies in. So perhaps those things are turned off. A lot of these megalithic sites are turned off, and at one time they were, you know, at full energy, but they've been turned off, and we're not seeing their potential at this day and age, because that was of the time before the flood, I would say. Hey, mate, it's, it's a possibility, I guess. Yeah. I mean, who really knows, but uh, I love the, the, the theory of it. Quality. Yeah. And as for, as for going off topic, we've not even gone on the topic yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been um, incredible so far. I mean, what we all got together to discuss um, alien races. Yeah. I mean, I think the Earth was way more abstract and crazy than we ever knew, and it still is. But it was in our in it was in like public view back in the day. And I I guess I should preface preface this by saying I don't I don't know all this to be fact, but who who actually does? And I'm and I realize that a lot of the legends are of a lot of these cultures are steeped in symbolism, and we're not always meant to take everything literal, but with that comes the same things cropping up amongst you know many cultures worldwide uh, who are not in contact with each other they are talking about you know a lot of the same kind of beings and so there must have been some truth to the literal sense of things too I would say and um, you know many research points to the fact that like the gods with a little G I would say stop walking this earth around a thousand BC. And, and that's that's kind of a combination of everything that I've been able to piece together through my research and but there were but in these days uh, pre-flood I would actually say more so not fully but there were many humanoid like beings uh, in the ancient past of this planet and I mean if we're to believe um, Zachariah Sitchin and this version of the Sumerian tablets, the Anunnaki said that the primitive creatures here were too wild to be domesticated and they had to have the right hands to hold their tools to do the work to mine the gold. So they had – but if you read about a lot of the things that they went through, they they went through a lot of different hybrids and versions of, of people that didn't work out too well. Like they had men that appeared with two wings or sometimes four or sometimes two heads, you know, they had all kinds of like mistakes, you know, and so these things were apparently walking the earth too with other humans. I mean, you had you had a fig. I've I've read where they had like um, figures that had legs and horns of goats or horses' feet, and you know, others that that were like a front like a man, like a centaur. A centaur. So you know, there's all kinds of uh, possibilities if. They didn't get it right the first few times. If we're to believe Sitchin's, uh, you know, translation, and I think yeah. most of it's pretty accurate. I, I mean, some people debate it. I, I'm up for that, but it's just that um, I think the Earth had all kinds of crazy things going on. And there's a one point where it got more sanitized to where it's just Homo sapiens sapien, and that's all we see, uh, at least you know, uh, in the public view. I think, um, I mean, could you imagine standing there and somebody 
appears next year and they've got two heads art wings you know <laughs> crazy. Can flip, flip you out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, what what's what different races do you two gentlemen uh, know of what you're familiar with because we know like we've got the greys yeah and then you got the Nordics, the blonde Nordics are a common, um, common sight with abductees and, you know, just like, I guess they're always related to this. And then you got what the reptilians, um, Palladians and stuff. Yeah. And I guess those are the blonde Nordics too. I don't, you know, I don't really know when you get to that level. Uh, there's the mantid beings. A lot of people talk about them. Um, uh, but, um, there's, there's a lot more. Um, you know, I, 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 you got to wonder, you know, what's, um, on the earth and what's not on the earth. And when you get into the story of, um, of, uh, the guy who, who did all the tunneling, what was his name? Um, I've talked about him before on, on your show, uh, general, um, um, Let's see. I forgot his name. I don't know why I can't remember. But anyway, uh, it'll come to me. But he was tunneling for the United States government underground bases. And Phil Schneider, Phil Schneider. And uh, he came across um, a bunch of grays under under the, you know, the deserts of the Southwest. So there we go back to that again. Uh, so, um, you know, you got to wonder if some of these these are beings that live under under, under the earth. in, in under yeah. the earth. Yeah, in the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the um, that was the Dulce New Mexico based, I think, guys, right? With Schneider. Yeah, he called it the Dulce Wars. Yeah. Oh. Do you think do you know like um how you mentioned before, Dave, it's just certain areas where you've got certain energy like that Mount Olympia. Do you yeah, think the, that- well, actually actually the Olympic Peninsula out here in Washington um, I I feel very strongly that it's a it's an aquatic uh, alien species. I think of like a, maybe like a humanoid um, body with more like a squid head or an octopus head or something like that. <laughs> kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean. That that guy, whatever his name was, that captain. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, kind of what, what it, it's weird, man. Like I I get these sensations. I'm like, why the hell did I just say that? Why do I feel like it, it looks like this? And I can't explain it, man. But the the trees, the trees kind of um, and the land itself, it kind of mirrors what's like endemic to that area. I found, and a lot of the trees, I actually sometimes I feel like some of the trees are actually uh, alien beings that are disguising themselves because I just don't feel like it's a tree. I look at it, I'm like, there's now something's weird here. <laughs> Do you think that, um, like you just mentioned, those like squid people or whatever they are, do you think in the other areas where there's like strange anomalies that there could potentially be um, alien races in that area? And that's why there's. I've had. Oh, yeah, I've had. um, Actually, down in Georgia, I I don't know. They might have actually been greys. I got I to gotta tell this story. This is just ridiculous, man. So uh, I was up on a, a mountain in Georgia, state, you know, U.S. state of Georgia. And 
I had my EMF detector out and I felt like there was a presence around me. And uh, I didn't know what it was, but it felt like it was about three to four feet tall, definitely a lot shorter than me. And they were moving around me. And I know that because it, the EMF detector spiked and then they disappeared. And what this, I've never had this happen to me anywhere else before. This was absolutely spectacular. Um, I had different, across the site, the different parts of the body actually started to respond energetically to whatever was there. So the first time it was actually uh, the lower part of my body, it was in the legs. And um, it, it warmed up a lot. It was like I just run like three miles. That's how much warmth it was moving through my legs. And I was just standing there. I wasn't doing anything at all. Um, and it felt like they were jumping around. It felt like they were playful. Um, I actually, when I left that area, I felt that it was a very positive experience. And I, f I felt that I made a, a kind of a new a new contact, if you will, in the solar system, a, a benevolent. They felt benevolent to me. Uh, they were they were more mischievous than I prefer, but that doesn't mean malevolent, you know. So it's just a it's your preference, really. Yeah, I've had plenty of contact with malevolent things um, in the past, but it's one of those things where one of my big messages on the show today is uh, it's important to draw distinctions between how something looks and what it's trying to accomplish, or what kind of energy it's broadcasting. Because you can be the most, and we've seen this in Hollywood movies and stuff, but you can be the most terrifying looking being, but um, you're trying to better yourself. You're trying to do better. You're trying to help in the way, the best way you know how. And it's not always the fault of the being that they might be somewhat hideous or scary to some people. you know. And so my thing is, is I meet them wherever they're at, I'm not turned away by how they appear, but what I, what I, the only thing I'm reading is their energy field. The energy field does not lie. You cannot fabricate that. Um, that's part of the, the core structure of that, the energy being. So yeah, you, there's lots of ways to mask and stuff like that, but you, I don't believe you can mask your energy field. That's something that's much past the uh, ability, I think, of most of the species that are around our solar system. So, um, as long as it's not a malevolent energy, sometimes I'll ask them, I'm like, I'm happy to work with you guys, but like, I, I need to know what you're trying to accomplish. I think a lot of them are lost. A lot of them are confused. A lot of them are scared. If you've lived here through many of the earth cycles and you've seen the cataclysms and you've been forced underground and stuff like this, uh, you know, had to scrounge around for your resources because things start to disappear, either whether it's plant life or mineral resources or whatever it is, then, you know, you, pro you probably end up being pretty scared too. If you've lived in a state of fear for thousands of years, like how do you expect that's going to affect your body and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like this. So um, I have a lot of compassion for the ET races as long as they're not overtly, if they're overtly malevolent and they're not willing to um, work with me at all in terms of like, like, guys, I'm here, I'm trying to help you. You know, I, most yeah. people would run. Most people would run in terror. Okay, I'm not running. I'm standing here and I'm saying, I'm happy to help you, but you have to just calm down and like, don't worry about your appearance and stuff. You know, but state what you're state what you're trying to do, and tell me a little bit about where you came from. 
And it's amazing because even when you're not talking about ET races, if you talk to someone, maybe someone who, who feels a little bit abrasive, like right off the bat, you're talking to a human. Well, you know what? It's probably because they've been through hell of a life. You know, they probably had a lot of difficulty. And how do you think that's going to affect someone, whether it's a human or an ET or an animal or whatever it is? So we need to have more patience, I think. And um, definitely, you know, I don't believe in going in, in provoking situations. That's uh, the one time I did that, it destroyed my life for like six months. And uh, that was a long time ago. That was back in 2008. And I've never done it since. If I'm not welcome in an area and I come in with uh, a pure heart, man, and, and uh, you know, the, the worst I have is neutral intentions when I come into a situation. I don't have evil intentions for anything on the planet. But if I come in with neutral or benevolent intentions and you come at me with malevolent intentions, that's not cool. You know, that's not yeah, that, that's agree, not, not a, that's not a peaceful universe. You can look you can appear however you want to. But like, I'm minding my own business. Don't mess with me. You know, just the same thing is that I'm not going to mess with you if you're minding your own business, even though I might not agree how your, your appearance looks like, maybe how you live your life or whatever. It's not my my life is my business. You know, other people's life is not my business. That's their business. We have to do, we have to do more of that stuff. I think it's called it's called respect. Well said, Dave. Well said. Yeah. And you, so, you are right. You just don't know what's going on or what somebody's been through, or what they're going through. So, so Dave, I love that, mate. Um, yeah. Would you? Is there a line to draw a distinction for you between an extraterrestrial and something of the spirit realm? I mean, would, how would you? Um, how would you see the difference in your experience? Yeah, I would say so for sure. Most of the time, uh, I, I talked to a friend one time and he was telling me, actually, it was right when I was trying to get my EMF detector, I asked him for some, this is a guy who's been working with this for probably 30 years. So I'm like, man, can you help me find a good meter for me? He sent me a few recommendations. He, uh, I you know, looked into the YouTube video and everything. But one of the things he told me right off the bat was that, excuse me, was that um, the ETs often come in through a magnetic spectrum. And I found that to be accurate. I really have. Uh, one of the places I went in Nevada, I'm going back through Nevada, actually. Um, Nevada is a very, very patchwork kind of energy state, meaning that there's a lot of everything there. And I've had some of the some of the land, man, right when you cross from, um, I believe it's Interstate 80, if you're coming out of Salt Lake City, Utah, going west into Nevada, right around the state line, it's actually some of the best energy I've ever felt anywhere in the United States. And, um, you know, I can't make that up. It's always a surprise to me. I never know what it's going to be as I'm driving along. Um, the more lines of longitude you cross and the more lines of latitude you cross, the more likely for, that I found it is that you come across different kind of energy pockets. But very good energy there. And then what I really wanted to say about this is that if you go a little further west, I think it's pretty close to being directly north of Area 51, actually. And that, that's very significant, of course. Yeah. There's a town there, yeah, there's a, there's a town there called Wells, Nevada. And I went through this town, and right as I was coming over the hill, probably like three miles out of the town, I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. I felt it immediately. It felt magnetic, and it felt like it was alien. Uh, so for me, it's a very specific feeling. And the, the spirit realm... You know, the spirit realm, I think, encompasses really all of everything else. 
But um, I've had experiences with a, a couple experiences with fairies. Uh, and they're very small, very, very small. Uh, the ones I've experienced were very benevolent. And then there's, of course, there's the ghost realm. There's the demonic realm, which is very distinct for me, uh, for me from the ET realm. The ET realms are, are uh, they're, they're kind of like super conscious to me. They're super intelligent. And that's one of the ways I know that is because the size of the, their heads. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting is that I think uh, a lot of the very tall hats that, uh, well, and even still in the Vatican, actually, but they wear very tall hats. I think that was to mimic the elongated head. And yes. even, yeah, you agree, Luminous, yeah. And so some of the, the um, deities in ancient Egypt, they did the same thing. I think even Nefertiti is like, why does she have such a long hat on? And then people were saying that's because most of her head takes up that hat. No. <laughs> and then now when we wear them, we're not wearing them because of that. We're wearing them because it's like an ode to the to our ET um, visitors that, that have been on. And I believe they're still here. I think they're in different spectrums. And uh, one of the things I think we should think about is the fact that it's not, uh, you know, a lot of them, uh, some of the ones I've interacted with, they're, they're actually scared, guys. Like, this is, this is some serious shit. And most people don't take this angle. Um, but they don't want to be visible. They don't want to interact because of how we are and how, and what we're doing to the planet. And yeah. one of the things I've heard from ancient aliens, I've watched every episode as well. And that's of course the same production company as Oak Island and Skinwalker Ranch. Yes. I, yeah, I was going to say that earlier. Yeah. But they have good stuff on there too. You know, there's good oh, there. I've had a few of the people on my show that I think are legit, and there's a there's some bullshit on there too. But you got to pick and choose. But ultimately, I think there's a lot to learn from it. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're fine, man. Absolutely, I agree. And I've even seen maybe two two three episodes back to back, and I'm like, this is trash. And I'm like, I want to stop watching this. And then I watch the next one. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you guys hit a home run on this one. <laughs> That's one of the things that. Yeah, and that's one of the things that pisses me off about the amount of research I do is that, like, I, I always have the sense if I just skip one, it's going to be the one I need. You know, so I just, uh, I don't know how I find time to do all the stuff I do, but I, I really try to. Um, and, of, of course, I'm still very involved with the Oak Island story. Uh, I've given up working with that group of people, and I've gave up working with the Prometheus Entertainment a long time before that. And it's just, uh, it's not the right time. I, you know, I personally don't think it's the correct group of people. I think they will find some stuff. I don't know if it's going to be what they were hoping for, but, um, that's, that's a big topic in itself. But in any case, really what I wanted to say is that, um, to try to meet, meet the spirit world where they're at, you know, you might be the only person, uh, I'll tell you really, this, this is a pretty emotional story for me, man. This is probably the one of the top five things in my life, I would say for sure. No, no question. Experiences that I've had. This was also in Georgia. I was on a hike in the, uh, in the mountains, the very northern part of the state. Most of Georgia is very flat, but it's very different in the north. And so I, I passed this rock, and uh, I looked at the rock. It was getting on towards dusk. It wasn't quite sunset yet, but I looked at the rock, and I said, there's something in that rock. I can see like a vague outline of the uh, of the face. I saw kind of the cheekbones. I saw the jawline. You know, I might have seen the, the bridge of the nose a little bit. And so I'm looking at it. And I'm like, that's interesting. 
this is a very highly charged spiritual area to begin with. But I'm looking at it and I said, okay, there's something, there's a spirit associated with this rock. So I kind of just, uh, I, I continue walking up the mountain and then I came back down the mountain. And when, when I got back down like 45 minutes later, the sun had started to set. And what happened was that the sun was actually, uh, it was shining through the trees. And so the sun shining through the leaves of the trees, it actually paint, the best word I could use was paint. It painted the rest of the face on the rock. So I thought I was seeing most of it, and that wasn't the case at all. I saw uh, clear as day uh, pretty much the entire uh, outline of the of the head of this being. And uh, I believe it was, um, it may have been a gray, uh, I think it was part of the gray species, but not like the malevolent ones. But one of the yeah. things I actually, one of the things I learned on uh, the Outer Realm uh, podcast, if you guys have ever seen that, it's a fairly popular one. They have some really good guests on there. The outer realm, did you say, mate? Yeah, outer realm. Yeah, it's on the UPRN network. I can give you guys the link, but it's on YouTube. Oh, nice one, mate. Thank you. You type it in, you can see it. Um, That's actually was the very first show I ever did. Was with that show, and that was in September of um, 2021, I believe. So, uh, in any case, one of the things that they said, and I agree with this, is that just like with humans or like with any other, even, for instance, dogs or cats, you know, there's good apples and there's bad apples. So I, I refuse to believe that all of the greys are malevolent. I've experienced some that are actually very good and very benevolent. And they're actually very curious. And they're, they're uh, ones I've met are, are actually scared because because of what's going on here. You know, it's, yeah. it's hideous what happens on this planet. Absolutely horrific. So, if actually, so Dave, Dave, sorry, sorry, mate. Um, oh, go ahead. What? Which? Which of the greys? What? What's the the purpose of abductions? Uh, Just I'll, I'll t- Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I'll touch on that in a second. Um, oh, nice it's again, it's a lot of it's a ver- lot of variety for me on that one. But the end of the story is that basically, I'm looking at this. It's showing me. It it showed me what it looked like guys that's the whole point and that does not happen i found that that does not happen if you're not going in there with humility you know i was giving really good energy to this mountain i was up there all by myself there's no one else man beautiful uh fall day actually no it wasn't fall it was summer beautiful uh summer evening and so i'm up there and i'm i'm trying to interact with the spirit realm i'm trying to help and that's the point i'm probably a very different person for most people in that regard because I'm trying to bridge the gap between species, man. You know, I'm a, I'm like a, an ambassador or like a liaison between different species, different religions, different humans, whatever, the whole thing. I love that, Dave. Because, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? We, we need more people doing that kind of thing, man, because I'm not going in there provoking. I'm not going in there for my entertainment. I'm going in there to, first of all, figure out what happened. Second of all, to try to assist if I can. So after I saw the full face, and like I'm saying, half of it was actually in the rock. Half of it was carved into the rock. The other half was painted on it with sunlight going through the trees. It was unmistakable. I mean, it's like literally someone took a paintbrush and painted the actual rock. Unbelievable. So I went up to it. I went up to it. And actually, when I was standing back a little bit, I looked on it. And it was really surprised that I saw it. That's the first thing. And one of the, one of the things that I have always stuck with me about this experience is that uh, I may have been one of the first people in, in thousands of years that actually gave attention 
to this rock and to the being that's associated with this rock. I bet you everyone just passes it by, man, walks right past it. And so I was amazed that I saw it. That's number one. And it was, uh, it had a look of surprise on its face. It's kind of, its eyebrows, if it didn't really have eyebrows, but its eyes were kind of raised in surprise and its mouth was open. Like, oh, like it was saying, oh, you know, that you saw that I was here. And then um, I, I'm trying to remember the order of the, what happened here, but I went up to the rock and I'm, I'm sensing basically why this being is in this rock or why it's associated with it. And, you know, I'm trying to feel the energy in the forest and all this stuff. And I went up to the rock and what was on my heart to say, I put my hand on the rock, actually, like on the face part of the rock. And I said, it's going to be okay soon. Because what I felt is that it was scared and that it was in hiding. Because, again, who would want to come out and see what we've done to this planet? Especially the higher um, frequency beings. They don't, want to, uh, they don't want to participate in this stuff, man. It's so offensive to them. Why are they going to show themselves to people who are uh, broadcasting poor energy? So the last yeah. thing that happened, I stepped back. I stepped back probably six feet, man. And I actually saw it start to smile. It changed. Not that, it changed from uh, uh, its mouth. It was from surprise to happiness. And I still to this day is the only time that I've visually seen that happen. Um, you know, we have to be there for each other, guys. It's it's hard enough as it is. Sure. And it is, mate. It's a struggle. Um, and you know, it, but. It just make everything better, like if we was all on the same level. Yeah, yeah, that's. But people, my final message with this part is that people who can be ambassadors in that way, please, please do that. Please help. Um, I, you know, there's so many species out there. I, I think it's essentially an infinite number. And if you have uh, the, pri- I think it's a privilege. If you have the privilege of being in contact with one of them. Try to communicate and try to help. Try to make the world a better place. You know, yeah. very simple. Yeah. Right? Well said. Well said, mate. Yeah, that's a really interesting story. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it's very, very powerful experience, guys. I'll never forget it. And I'm actually a changed, very changed person from that one experience. Um, I, I don't think I don't know if I've ever felt that much love coming from a, any kind of being. Not certainly not a human. I think a dog might approach that. But it was stronger than that. It, it was like it was uh, blasting me with like pure white light. That's what it felt like when that when it smiled, guys. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, traditionally what I would call the most beautiful form. And that's that's uh, uh, my message too is that you know don't judge a book by its cover. You want to feel the energy. The energy field will tell you what you need to know. And if you're um, something else I learned on Outer Realm is that if someone comes to you at nighttime and they, and it says, uh, it looks like your aunt and it sounds like your aunt, but you feel scared. It's probably not your aunt. You know, it's someone coming in that yeah. form. Go, go by your, how you feel about it. You know? Yeah. That, that, is that like a oh, doppelganger that into it, Dave? Uh, say, say it again. Like a doppelganger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, or they call it um, like masking or uh, uh, double or, you know, something, whatever. They call it a lot of different things. Now, the abduction topic, uh, I find very interesting. I, again, I, I tried to pin things down back in the past to uh, 
I try, I like to make it as simple as possible, but the fact of the matter is, as far as I'm concerned, is that it's actually not that simple. I think there's every reason under the sun that that happens. I think a lot of it has to do probably with bloodlines. And they say that, uh, you know, abductions tend to run in families. I think that's probably true. And um, we may be, I mean, we may be 10% their species. So when they're flying over the earth and they're looking for that energy signature, and they see us sleeping there. They're like, oh, that they're one of us. They're, you know, they see part of them, part of um, them in you. And then they yeah. have that interest. I think that's probably what it is because I've gone, I go into places and people, they swear there's like, yeah, there, there's something weird here. They're here. But to me, like I'm invisible to them because they have no interest in me because there's no relation. So it's very individual experience, I find. I've, I've thought about too. Um, my last guest again talking about she was talking about human hybrids and how um, there's a lot of people on earth who look at the sky a lot like kind of mourning for their family up in the sky or there's a lot of people that uh, just don't feel like they fit in and I mean it, it can't be all the people that feel this way but a lot of us that see through the bullshit in this world and see that it's much more than just you know going to work every day Maybe we do have some, we're part of these species, maybe just 10%, maybe just a little bit of it, but we have some relation because we're obviously not settled on what most humans are doing and the way that we can see through this system versus some people, you can't shake them and wake them up at all. It makes me think that maybe we are the ones that are, um, able to see through this because we have some of these star seeds, some of these, some of this relation to these different species. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's with like what you said before, Loomis about like the different, um, hybrids, like with two heads and wings and all that before. Yeah. For all we know, these could be, some of these alien races, probably not. Yeah, they could be. And um, we were talking about the the elongated skulls. I I think it's interesting to go into the topic a little bit about how um, they were fa- found all over the world. Um, you have like mitochondrial DNA with mutations unknown in any human in these skulls, and they. They were shown to have European origins, and they had red hair, um, which is nothing like the, a lot of the schools, especially in the Paracas region of South America. I mean, what, where, you know, nobody had red hair in there. Uh, they had different eye sockets. They had no sagittal suture. You know, the lines, the connect, the connected tissue between the two uh, parietal bones, and and the the crazy thing is um, the Paracas people the elongated skull people, they were only around even 800 to 2,000 years ago. So it wasn't really that long ago that these people might have been walking the earth with us. Um, But one lady that really sparked my attention, um, her name is Karen Hudes or Hudes. I I don't know if it's pronounced Hudes or Hudes. And she she worked as an attorney at the World Bank from, uh, it was like in the 80s till more recent time, I guess. And she says, 
that there's a second species on the planet. They're not extraterrestrials. They're very much with us, and they made maps in the previous ice age, and that the remnants of their civilizations are all over, all, all over the place, and it's submerged because the sea level has gone up 400 meters. And the, this group has really large brains, and they're very distinct from Homo sapiens, and their DNA is so different that if the two species mated, that their offspring would be infertile. And so she says that um, these people are the same people that are running the elites. You know, they have they they're um, that's why the Pope wears the hat. You know, um, at the the mitre hat. You know, so she's actually coming out saying that. This is separate race of people that are running things with these elongated skulls. I think that's that's pretty interesting. And if you go back into history with Osiris, and I believe Akhenaten had elongated skulls, um, you know, and a lot of the native peoples emulated this and they cradle boarded. You know, why would you do that if there wasn't something that was very important to look like that that you were trying to honor. And so it's interesting that in the Middle East, Africa, South America, that there's all this cranial deformation from people who are trying to look like these elongated skull people. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, they were, um, they were essentially royalty, I guess, to the humans. And so, so. my... My feeling is is also that that you want to you want to look like them, just like people want to look like a celebrity or you know be like them or whatever because they're so powerful. Got a point there, mate. Yeah, maybe they help their society to grow and all kinds of stuff like this. But man, I, you know, like to that to that point too, guys, is that I find that what I believe is that the world was very very well integrated. And there's all kinds of ways that people could try to figure out how did you get from China to like, well, current day China to current day Mexico, you know, 10,000 years ago, if you didn't have ice to follow or you didn't have a land bridge or whatever you want to call it. And for me, I mean, that's actually, these things don't bother me at all because I believe in things like Vamanas, you know, mercury vortex powered airships, um, the uh, the archivist um, Ben over at the archivist YouTube channel. I've been watching a lot of his stuff lately. He's doing a good job on ancient America, talking about a, a massive uh, mud flood that buried the entire western part of the United States. And he's talking about radi- radium powered airships. And the other thing for me is, to be quite honest, uh, well, I grew up in New England, so in New England there's a lot of uh, stone walls and these strange very miniature sized stone chambers and there's orbs coming out of them, man. It's really strange really? stuff. Oh yeah. And the, the walls right. are built. Because you know, they've got orbs coming out of them. Wait, I said it again, Joe. Did, did you say they've got orbs coming out of them? Yeah, there's orbs. It's very, actually very common. This was on a, actually an episode of ancient aliens as well. And uh, it's talk, talking about the UFO flap in the Hudson Valley that was very prominent, I think, from the 60s through the 90s. Uh, very large, specifically triangular-shaped crafts. I went to a, a pine bush last summer and did research there, a very well-known UFO hotspot. And uh, all through the Hudson Valley, all along the Hudson River there, 
especially to the, I guess, the east side of it, there are huge numbers of stone chambers, uh, very uh, like uh, well-developed rock walls, things that are not clearly not from a farmer. What they try to the claim that the farmers dug the rocks out of the field and piled it up and made these incredibly complex wall structures. Man, I was on a hike in, um, I believe, Kent. It's called Kent, New York, the uh, town of Kent. And it was a little bit to get out to some of these places, but I was looking for something very specific. I had seen the stone chambers that are very, uh, they're kind of like built into the hillside. There's lots of reasons for that. One of the things, if people have spent any time going into uh, chambers like that, is that in the summertime, it's very cool in there. It's built into the earth, so it doesn't heat up inside. Uh, I went to one of them in particular, and I went to in Massachusetts, actually. I went into the chamber. I was probably close to 90 degrees that day. I went into the chamber, a uh, very, very narrow um, opening, partly because of what I'm about to describe, I think. But you had to basically crawl in. I hit my back like six times going in there because it's, you, I mean, you really have to stoop over and then you get into the central part of it. It's like 10 feet tall in there, like a, a dome-shaped ceiling. And it's like 55 degrees inside of that. And it's like 90 degrees outside. It's unbelievable, guys. So you talk about natural air conditioning. Absolutely genius. And then um, and on the flip side, I believe in the wintertime, it would keep you a lot warmer because the earth keeps you warmer. You know, it's like that's why the caves are, are always like around 55 degrees Fahrenheit because it's not subject to all the fluctuations on the surface. But anyway, the point I want to make is that uh, a small opening is going to minimize obviously heat loss or uh, the cool air losing that in the summertime. Uh, it could be to store, you know, root vegetables, root cellars, all the kinds of stuff, except for the fact that it's also aligned astronomically to things in the sky. So there's something else going on on top of that. And the one that was the most remarkable for me of all was that that one is probably about a two-foot-tall entrance. There's other ones across the region, the greater New England region, that they are uh, – I could walk in it fully. You know, and I'm six feet tall. I walk straight in. It's a very rectangular door frame, massive lintel stone. You can appreciate this, General, because you guys have a lot of that stuff over where you are. Yeah. And um, – I walked straight in, man, and a couple of these places, one of, one of those that I found was actually in Vermont. The other one was in New York. It was very difficult to find the one in New York, uh, but I've been in two of those style chambers now. They're very tall, different kind of entrances, and there are spirits in there. Absolutely. I had the EMF detector, man. They were moving around. Uh, I felt an energy when I went to like the corner, and then I moved, and it was gone. Then I went to the front door, and it was sitting there because I felt it. <laughs> I, if you if you walk through the area, you know you're. It's kind of like what I described at the beginning of the show is that is that you're a physical being, but that being is not in the same kind of energy gradient. It's not uh, it's not currently on the physical plane. So when you walk through that, you're walking through its energetic body. So you're going to feel the energy of that body as you pass through it. And uh, they move around. They absolutely move around. And there's orbs coming out of uh, most of these has been as, uh, observed before. But one of the things I've suggested was that uh, they're essentially another form of a portal. And if people want to know how the Druids got over to New England, because I for sure believe they were here, one of the things I've suggested is that they teleported. 
that's what these some of these stone circles are that you guys have over in UK and all this, you know, that's been on Ancient Aliens as well. Yeah. But uh, if you have enough ability, especially if you happen to be like a magician, like Merlin or someone of that nature or a druid, you can teleport your body. And if you want to know where you're going to come out, you better have a, a specific spot that's probably on top of a, a ley line, you know, or a vortex or something. Well, when you know where that vortex is, then you build a structure there. So every time it's like um, where it's like an airport almost, you know. It's like you're not going to land in the middle of a forest. You're landing at the airport. That's where people know where to pick you up. That's how you're going to know where you are to kind of get yourself used to the local environment, you know. So it's just, I mean, it's such a large spiritual world. And people want to, especially I found the academic people, they want to just pin it to one thing. And I'm like, man, look, I know you have like 27 degrees. First of all, I don't really care. Uh, Everyone's opinion here is welcome everyone's opinion is welcome. I want to hear from people who've experienced things. I'm going to listen to that person. Absolutely. But you better not be looking down on other people. That's my message to the academics. Don't you dare do that. I don't care about your degree. Okay. I've been out there. I've experienced these things myself. Yeah. Left brain, they're just left brain stock people, a lot of them, and they want everything to be in a cute little package so that the world's explained to them and that they can um, be safe with their perspective, and it's and it's very limited. And you know, they're they're not going to be listening to this show, obviously. So, um, but still, these people they'll they'll never see, they'll never have these experiences um, because they are so stuck that way, and because they've kind of walled themselves off from. The, the miraculous and mind-blowing things of the world, they could go all the way to the grave that way. And it's kind of a sad thing when you think about it because we, it's funny that society looks up to people that have all these degrees. Yeah, they're smart intellectually, but they, they, they're not holistic smart. They're not whole brain smart. I, I get really si- tired of that myself and that people looking up to these people as if they're great. These are the same people that, you know, are trying to tell us to um, basically go get the vaccine or whatever, you know, I, I'm appalled to that and I didn't want to. So, you know, these are the people that are, are saying trust the science and, you know, they've, they've never seen outside their walled off perspective. It, it, it does. It's a, I hate that myself um, personally. Um, but I want to ask you guys uh, before we can talk about that more if you want, but uh, have either of you, seen been flashed at by a ufo before have you ever had a ufo flash at you like a flash of light at you um and telepathically no i've never even seen a ufo mate i told general i was gonna give i I told him you can have my experiences general because i've had way too many (laughs) and i'm I'm actually i get i get tired of it i'm like just please like not today (laughs) sometimes (laughs) You're like you've had that many, mate. It's like you're plagued by them almost. Yeah, but it's you know it's um I've only had a couple that there was some kind of a sonic uh, energy thing that was very that was quite harmful. I've actually I've had it happen maybe three times. Uh, apart from that, if they're up there and they're keeping their energy close to their ship, I have no, no problem with it. But when you're like beaming stuff down or you got some gamma radiation coming off off your craft, yeah, I have a problem with that. Because that's going to hurt biological life forms down here. Yeah. Um, I, I've had, I haven't had a flash, Loomis. I've had um, not like a direct communication type of flash. I, I have had telepathic communication for sure. 
Um, but not, it's, it's been kind of more of a, not a very specific, more just that like, you know, we're here and we know that you're here and stuff. And that, that's kind of how I left it. But I have seen in, uh, outside of Roswell, I know it's extremely cliche. I'm, I'm actually going to go drive through Roswell again, whether I want to or not. Last time I was there was 2009 and that was the beginning of my spiritual journey. So I, I didn't know what to do with it, you know, and that's, uh, I'm not in that position at all anymore. So I kind of want to go check back in, but that was the first craft I ever saw. It was it's so cliche, but it was uh, to very close to Corona actually, uh, which is where the uh, Roswell crash actually was on the ranch there, just to the northwest of the city of Roswell. And I didn't know that at the time. And then when I found out it was actually closer to Corona, I said, "Well, that's exactly where I had that experience." Um, and I didn't want—I didn't even want it. I'm just driving, and I'm like, "What is that in the sky up there?" And so what happened was that it actually was a bright light. It, I thought it was a planet. And then it actually started to, it started to flicker. It wasn't communication. It was, it was, that it was kind of moving. So it flickered. Um, and then it was like a full bright light again. It shot to the other side of the sky, which must've been hundreds of miles instantaneously stopped on a dime, which would crush any human. You can't do that, you know? Uh, it's not that's not a human uh, maneuver you can and in a craft that we have can't stop like that in a dime. That's that's impossible because of the the, the resistance of the air and stuff. So and the the power of the engine and things like that. But they're using some kind of quantum energy. I think they're I think they're kind of overlaid on on top of or underneath the earth grid so that they don't have to obey the laws of physics. It's kind of what I think is going on. Maybe some kind of cold fusion or something like that. But then what happened was that it was on the other side of the sky. It started to kind of flicker again and actually completely went out, completely went black. The next time I saw it, it was back on the other side of the sky. And I don't know how, you know, how did it get back over there again? These things can move in in ways that that humans, I do not believe, unless you back engineer it, which I believe that stuff's happening. Uh, I don't think that the humans are able to stir that kind of G-force, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the think, reason. Sorry, Lucas, what am I? Okay. Oh, uh, I was going to say, do you think that there is um, any link between, like, especially portals, um, with the occult? Was that, what was that again? There was a link between the think, UFOs and the occult? Do you think there's any link between, like, like especially portals and the occult? I think there, there's been many that have tried. I mean, um, Crowley, of course, yes. and um, just a few with me. Yeah, I, I think, I think there is, and I don't really know um, if this is getting is spiritual or demonic versus ET out of these portals. I, that could be, you know, of course, a lot of people point to. Crowley in his drawing of Lamb, this being that he channeled, yeah, a lot like a gray. But um, by, you know, it's a good question. I don't know. Uh, the re- I, reason I ask that is because I, I mean I've done a couple of shows like with uh, on Atic with, with Lux and NYP, and um, we know the shit they were doing. They weren't looking for UFOs and that. They were. Opening portals. Yeah, well, that's almost like CERN 
what they're doing too is opening portals yeah supposedly. yeah yeah i think the portal uh topic is i think a lot of the times it's for a convenience factor meaning that like let's give a an easy conduit where the spirit can follow through or whatever come through but uh for as far as i'm concerned it's a fairly it's a fairly um low level or really basic way of traveling i mean the the divine figures they can appear wherever they want they don't need a they don't need a spaceship they don't need a portal they don't need anything they can materialize out of thin air yeah and uh that's i think the that's kind of the top level of where where i think we want to really get to but you know there's lots of ways to to cut things and if you find a way that works i think people go with it but you certainly in my opinion you certainly don't need a portal to move through the universe or through the galaxy or the solar system or whatever. But, uh, it's like, it's like, um, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like, one, it's like one of those water parks. You guys been to those things? Yeah. They got that, yeah, that yeah. big slide, that big slide at the top there. And you go right into the pool. Well, it's like, basically all you have to do with the portal is just like be there. So you walk through it and then you just get to go for a nice ride. And you don't have to do anything, and it's going to take it's you're going to come out wherever the end of that is. So, I think uh, for convenience factor, it's really helpful because you can make it um, terminate wherever you want. And actually, for that matter, you can make it begin wherever you want. You have that kind of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you go through this, if you go through this, you're going to end up here. Whereas it's not specific like that, I feel like, if you're not working with portals. Yeah, the reason I was uh, asking you guys about UFOs flashing at uh, um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, one flashed at me and my wife as we were walking, and uh, it w- well, we thought it was a helicopter, and it was really low, and I was like, ah, no, that's just a helicopter, but it was really bright, and then it didn't make any noise at all, and then as soon as it got over us, it acknowledged us, and it flashed at us, and it was, and I even got it on video was at night wasn't great video but it i did get it and then since then i've been seeing things in the sky that seem to be communicating with me and um not just me like uh, my son was there too and it's like it'll it can cloak itself and be black but you can sort of see it and all of a sudden it'll just go beam and it like gives you like a hello and it's like a nice and it seems like a good energy but um I've been noticing that more and more. And just last week, I got flashed at twice by one. And I was like, wow. So there's something going on up there. There's some kind of communication. And uh, nice. crazy. I've been, yeah. <laughs> I've been really uh, experiencing it. And it's like, when it happens to you, it's like, whoa. It's like it hits you with like, not a bad energy, like a, like a wow, like a, a amazing energy. Like I've been communicated with. And um, it's funny because... Uh, when me and my wife saw that one, there was a guy watering his lawn behind us. And, you know, he didn't even, he was just, you know, just in his own little zone. He had no idea that happened at all. It's like he wasn't even meant to see it. But I got it on video, so it's a physical craft. But it's quite an amazing feeling. Um, I guess I always tell my listeners to just keep watching the skies, you know, because there's all kinds of things that are going on up there that most people have no idea because they inside watching TV. Yeah, it sounds like they they almost they're choosing which ones of us can see them. Yeah, which is yeah. Um, fascinating. 
as we talked about, maybe we yeah. we all have a piece of them in us of their their seeds or their bloodline or yeah. Yeah. DNA. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, some, some some of them um, we might wish that we didn't potentially. I mean, I've had I've had some communications with certain species, and I'm like, how is it that they know when I'm here, but they don't know when any other people? <laughs> Every time I come in there, man, they're like, "We know you're here, Dave." I'm like, "Yeah, I know that." And a, a few of them, maybe not a few, but a couple of them, I actually don't go back uh, because I don't want to have a negative experience. And it's also one of the things I brought up before on the show. I don't, I have no idea when the show was, but. I was saying that it's again, it's back to this respect factor is that if you show up to a certain spot of land and you have an ancient being that's been there for thousands of years and I'm just a visitor, you know what? If he doesn't want me or whatever, if it doesn't want me there, okay, fine. It's not my, it's not my home, but maybe that yeah. it lives there. Maybe it wants quiet. Maybe it doesn't want you there. And so there's a difference in, in that aspect too, between being malevolent and just being like, leave me alone. You know, I just don't want to interact right now. And that's not yeah. malevolent to me. That's just telling you that it wants its peace, you know, in the quiet or whatever. But I'm very big. Yeah, I'm very big on that, though, is that, like, if we can help um, anything in the invisible realm, we, we should, if we have that ability to do what we can for them. I'm about to go into, <clears throat> into UFO Central in the Southwest, man, and I'm going to be rocked hard. I know I am. I'm trying to prepare myself, man. Really trying to prepare because they all know me. They all know who I am. Most of them. And um, I've I've heard me and General talk about this around Shiprock. I've heard uh, voices in the wind. That's the only time I've ever heard that it was around Shiprock, New Mexico, and it was in Arabic. And I didn't huh. understand what that meant until recently, when this topic about that. America's actually the old world started to come more to the fore, uh, the forefront. And then it was after actually, uh, you guys know old, old world, Florida YouTube channel. No, 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 no. Where that mate? Oh, old world, Florida. Did you say Dave? Yeah. Old world, Florida. Absolutely brilliant. Um, basically he did a presentation that the Gulf of Mexico is actually the fertile crescent, the real fertile crescent. And when you look at the shape of it, it is in fact a crescent. Um, and there's all these odes to uh, in a long lost like Islamic civilization in the Americas. It's actually everywhere. It's really, really. I mean, the word Allah, like Dallas, it's like the Allahs, you know, Alabama, Alaska, Alaska. It's all Allah. So in you, you got Cuba, which is the Kaaba. I mean, it's unbelievable. Watch that video, guys. I actually have it. It's on my YouTube channel too. It's under the educational videos uh, playlist. It's I'll the check that out, mate. yeah, it's, it's the best thing I've seen all year by far. And um, so when this started to come up, I started to say, "Wait a minute!" So that must be the reason why I heard Arabic in the wind. And then now there's all this stuff going around about specifically the uh, the ancient Hebrew or Jewish story actually occurred here. In addition, you know, in the west of the United States, and that it wasn't over on the east side, or maybe it was. I don't know how this stuff works. It seems like it's both somehow, but I actually feel that I kind of agree with um, 
uh, Narco Longo, who's the guy that actually maintains the Overworld Florida YouTube uh, channel, is that he says that uh, this is very compelling. Is that the Ark of not the Ark uh, Noah's Ark? Noah's Ark, according to him and some of the research he's done, was actually built on the Panhandle of Florida. And the reason for that, several reasons, it comes with some of the species of the plants, but it's also the fact that I think it's like 20 out of the 22 or 20 or 19 out of the 21, something like that, species of trees that it mentions the Ark of the Covenant being, uh, excuse me, the Ark, Noah's Ark being composed of are actually native to that part of Florida and supposedly nowhere else in the world. So what the claim is, and the claim is also is that Florida is actually the Garden of Eden. Um, the Garden of the Hesperides and all this stuff. The Greeks were over here, and they knew about that. The whole Fountain of Youth thing that happened, they knew about the same thing. But that the idea is, is that the old world, before the flood, before the flood, all of the Old Testament, the claim is, is that it happened in, in the Americas. And then what happened is that when the Ark was built and the waters rose, the Ark actually traveled across the Atlantic Ocean, and landed on Mount Ararat in modern-day Turkey, Armenia region. And then Mesopotamia was the beginning, there was the first civilization after the flood, after the flood. So the repopulation happened in that fertile crescent, which was named after the one in the Gulf of Mexico. So if that's not compelling for people, man, I, I, give, I tap out. It is, mate. That, uh, that changes everything if it was uh, legit. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would be very... Yeah, but that's mind blowing to think about. Actually, yeah, oh, there's amazing. this guy. The um, I know this is a little bit different, but there's this guy. I think it's Nathaniel somebody. He's a YouTube channel. He believes that the African American people are indigenous to that area, and they weren't brought in as slaves in that area. Now I know that contradicts a lot of history, but. Um, he has some interesting, compelling things he's talked about there that they were here before, possibly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you can look into the cave in the Grand Canyon, Kincaid Cave, and find, you know, the supposed um, mummies that were found in there, and even a Buddhist shrine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, there's, I, there's that. What oh, you sorry. just said, though is probably the most compelling thing I've heard about America, the Americas being involved in ancient history. Because I've heard some stuff before, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, because I've been to the Middle East, and it's very old, and you think, well. But now that you say the story like that, that's very interesting. I, I've never heard that explanation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the best um, kind of like... Uh one presentation I've ever seen on that topic. I did a lot of research on the LDS religion. Uh, I followed Joseph Smith's life, actually. He was born in Vermont, the founder of the Mormon religion, Joseph Smith, Jr. And I followed his entire life. And uh, that's kind of where it actually started for me, is that I've read the Book of Mormon twice now. I actually just finished it recently. But the Book of Mormon is like the great uh, American supernatural story, whether people believe it or not. It's extremely interesting. And Joseph Smith, he said that the original Garden of Eden was actually in Jackson County, Missouri, uh, the town, the current day town of Independence, Missouri. And uh, sure enough, if you go to that town, the, the three uh, main Mormon religions, essentially, which is the LDS Church, its Latter-day Saints Church. And, and people don't know this, is that 
Most people think that the Mormons are just the Latter-day Saint church. That's not correct. Uh, Mormon, the, the word Mormon was named after one of the ancient commanders and uh, prophets that they say walked the Americas, actually, in the ancient world. It was a name of a person. His name was Mormon. And uh, so there's the LDS church. That's one of the churches of that claim the Book of Mormon. Another one is called, it used to be called the RLDS church. Now it's called the Community of Christ. They have a church there as well, the Temple Lot in Independence, Missouri. And then the Church of Christ is the third one. And they're all built around this this little plot little uh, plot of grass up on the hill there, and the, the cornerstones of the temple have already been laid. And you can see where they are. They're still up there in that little uh, grassy knoll. So he said, Joseph Smith said that, you know, back in the 1800s, he said, yeah, it, it happened here. And he said that that was the original Garden of Eden in Missouri there. So, man, it just, it just never ends. And I feel yeah. like... Uh, I feel like the more time that we go on, things are going to start to be a lot clearer, especially if something is actually found buried in the ground where you literally cannot even open your mouth. I mean, if it's, if it's there, man, then it's there. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's, that'll seal it forever for most people who are intelligent, I, I believe. Mm. Well, of course, like the Sumerian texts are a larger story of what Genesis wrapped up in a shorter story. But Eden... E-D-I-N is a place in between two rivers. So it doesn't have to be between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. But um, I've also heard the theory, too, though, that the some people think that the story of the Anunnaki and the uh, oldest texts on Earth took place on Mars, you know. So I've heard that, too. I, I always just keep an open mind to all these different uh theories and thoughts and just like put it on the back burner and if more information surfaces about them then i go ah then i start to investigate more but it's 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 all very compelling and very interesting information when you get into this ancient history and trying to find these what happened on this planet so much happened on this planet we we have this all these leftover structures that we couldn't build we have all these talks of gods and and you know um, non-human sounding things from giants to you know even like I was talking about earlier the Sphinx or I wasn't talking about it but like the all these different hybrids you know what if the yeah. Sphinx was uh, some kind of hybrid thing that was intelligent and that's why they made it look well you know it's been replaced the face but still you know, it could be something like that. I mean, there's just so much that happened on this planet, and then they're just telling us we need to go to work every day and pay bills, and that, that that's yeah. never <laughs> satisfied with me whatsoever uh, to just do that. Um, sorry, but uh, uh, if that's what all, all we're here to do is to pay bills, then I'm out of here because we, there's yeah. so much more. There's so much more to look at here. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, like, um, again, going back on what you said earlier, Loomis, about these different human hybrids do you think that like our modern day cryptids could potentially be these as well yeah yeah i do in fact um when i was talking about like there were some species they talked about that were um you know they looked like uh they had the body of a horse and and the or the the back of a horse and the body of a, a human that's a centaur yeah. and a centaur yeah. it is in Greek mythology, you know, um, uh, and 
you know, like maybe even Bigfoot. I mean, I really don't know. I don't think so. I feel like it was just an indigenous creature here. But, uh, you know, some of these things that we see or hear about, like some of these moth, giant moth creatures, I mean, you know, some of them may have gone underground when this the this flood and cataclysm happened, and they they come out every now and then, and people are like, oh, what the fuck's that? And they're you know they're freaking out, and then, you know, because and then no one believes them, but it's like yeah. they know what they saw, they know what they saw, it was something, and so yeah, it's it could be some of these failed experiments. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to wonder about some of the Egyptian um, hieroglyphs, and you know, some of these characters that are on the walls i mean these bird head headed beings and yeah you, you know it's like are they literal or are were there actually people that look like that or were they just um you know uh something out of the the ether and imagination were they on psychedelics like i feel like there's so much more to this planet that we just we're missing such a huge piece and it's been covered up purposely um sanitized quarantined, whatever we want to call it, I think we're missing a lot of our history and our, and our connection with the uh, the rest of the cosmos and the and the, the beings out there. And of course, they don't want to interact with us, like you said, Dave, because we're all crazy and we've been we're a manipulated society by evil overlords that have you know chosen yes. to manipulate our humanity through mind control tv um brainwashing schools so we're we're not in the natural state that we should be and so who would who would want to go visit a, a a bunch of people like that not me either that's sometimes why i don't want to be around humans yeah it can be more than challenging sometimes uh, we must more yeah. than challenging and, oh, yeah. uh, i think it, it just confirm we, we should all have an open mind yeah. Yeah, I agree too. And I think the over the overarching message for me, well, actually, really, what started this whole journey for me is that when I was very young, I said there's something seriously wrong with this place. I mean, I'm talking like first time I saw a nature show, and I saw a you know, beautiful animal in the field get like mauled by a lion. I'm like, no, no, get me out of here, man. Minding its own business, you know, eating grass or something. No, we don't. We don't have that on my planet. I don't know what planet this is here, but everything since then, I was probably three years old. Everything since then has been basically trying to figure out what happened. How did it degrade this far? What are we doing? You know, how do we fix it? So everything, um, everything that I do is actionable. I mean, I love reading and everything, but I need to actually make something happen with it, and that's. You know, of course, on my channel, I'm, I'm an astrologer. I do tropical astrology. Uh, that's not something, believe it or not, that I wanted to do. That was given to me as a responsibility. And that was in 2015. And it basically, the universe said, this is what you need, Dave. Please learn this. And um, even if for that alone, you know, I want, I want people to come to me for that, to, get, to see it done correctly and responsibly and mathematically. You know, I'm not inferring anything. It's all in the data. But it's stuff like that. So we, we got to get the core teachings established. We need legitimate people in positions of actual influence. And that's actually what I think is a core problem right now. There's a lot of very talented people who have amazing abilities. A lot of people who can do things that I can't even dream of doing. 
you know, and it's actually a lot of the things I don't even have interest in. And I'm very, I feel very happy that there's people who are able to be mediums, you know, I've never done that. Um, some, some people I know they have, they have people who are deceased talking to them all day, all day. And they have to say, please, I want to like, um, Michelle DeRoche from the outer realm. I told you guys about, it's a good show. They got good guests. Um, she'll be laying there at night. This is according to her on her show. She said, yeah, I'll be laying there at night. And I'm like, guys, please not now. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. Oh, for goodness sake. Give me like an hour or two. They start banging stuff in the downstairs and she's like, no nah, guys, you, you got, you got to not do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave, have you ever worked with Scott Walter? Uh, I have not worked with him. I think I sent him a message a while back. I know a lot of, uh, about a lot of his work. I do know people who do know him and right. you know, the big thing for me, uh, that I noticed, well, when he was on TV talking about the Kensington Runestone in Minnesota, how the Vikings came over here and, you know, made a land claim in Minnesota. And that's a very interesting story. That's you could yeah. spend weeks on that one. Um, yeah, but he's done a lot with ancient America. I think some of the stuff he's put out is very Hollywood. And I've heard lots of things that, Oh, they made him do it that way. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. All I know is, is that if you're going to go like national, and they're like, you have to say this. Turn the other way. You know, yeah, this is twenty. This made, is 20 a lot of it. Yeah, this is twenty twenty three. You know, the people that I hang around with, we don't do that stuff. So yeah. if I if I'm living, um, you know, if I if I'm uh, if I'm if I'm uh, trying to you know find a way to make more money or something like that, let it not be that. You know, we're not going to be lying. I'm not going to do something that is not. Uh, along the lines of doing something with integrity. I'm not trying to steer a narrative. That's probably the biggest one. You know, we need to not be trying to make narratives uh, for whatever your propaganda purposes and stuff like this. And all I want to do is I want to bring out things that are actually the most likely things to be true. Let's let the person talk about it. Don't get in their way. And then we let everyone decide for themselves what you think about it. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about this show, of course, General. It's like, you just say your perspective. Yeah, you just say where you stand on it. We don't have to agree. It doesn't bother me at all. But, like, don't silence the person. Let them tell their damn story. I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 I've got Scott's uh, coming on uh, at the beginning of next month. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. So, yes. uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah, ask him about um, his time in Nova Scotia too, General. He's done. Uh, he was Nova up there recently. Scotia. Yeah, Scotia. Well, that's of course Oak Island, and there's uh, some uh, Templar sites, or believe Templar sites, in uh, New Ross, Nova Scotia, that I believe Scott's visited. And uh, yeah, yeah you know, I'm all work. I'm all for working together, but we gotta like, uh, we gotta not try to do any propaganda stuff. I'm, I'm not calling people out. I'm just saying that stuff is past, long past for me. Now, you, we're, a lot of us are way too intelligent to be like, oh, I believe that. No, I don't believe that at all. You know, it's obvious when someone's trying to do a propaganda um, uh, machine, you know, I don't, I don't really want to bring it up, but you just go back to Nazi Germany if you want to learn about propaganda. Right, Joseph yeah. Goebbels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
gentleman. Yeah. Was that? Was this a gentleman? Um, I, I don't. How are you both for time? Well, I should probably get probably close it out in about ten minutes or so. Right, right, so. Right, no, problem. no problem. I'm good with that. I'm good with that too, man. Yeah. yeah. No problem. It's like uh, nearly two o'clock here. Two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 a trooper. You're, you're, no, I can't even do a podcast that late. I'll just be trash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. since this is a swap cast, um, I thought maybe we should talk a little bit before we close out anyway about our individual works. So at least people that are tuning in through different um, pathways here can uh, our sources can know about all of us. So, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe... You know, General, you got another podcast coming up too. You're doing another. Uh, I have, mate. Yes. Thanks, yeah. So uh, thanks, mate. Maybe you should plug that for the audience because, um, so our audiences can know about your stuff, and I'll plug mine. Yeah. And Dave, you plug nice yours. One, mate. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be starting an additional podcast uh, with Lux of Lux Rising. I'm going to call it Subconscious Rising, but we'll have an episode out in a couple of weeks. Um, really looking forward to it. I mean, every every show I've done with you two gentlemen has been amazing, but every show I've done with Locks has just been fucking mind blowing, and it just feels like it's the right thing to do for our listeners. Give them something extra. That's good. Yeah, Lux. Lux, I I enjoyed his. Um, yeah, his you comment. came up with us, didn't you, mate? Um, with um, the Dig Bible podcast. Exactly. Yeah, it was a real, real home run of a show. I felt. Yeah, it was quality. Episode. I, I like how he's he's got a balanced perspective, and he's not trying to push agendas. You know, and it's just like I, I like when things are relaxed. So I'm looking forward to that. You guys can do a great job. Oh, nice one, mate. Yeah, yeah we'll have to have you on as well, Dave, and you, mm-hmm. Lewis. Yeah, Dave. So what? How can people like listen to your stuff? Or you're you're on a YouTube channel, correct? Yeah, I've got primarily it's on YouTube. Uh, just search Dave Petrella. It's P like Peter, E T R E L L A. It's I should pop up right at the top. The only one active really under that name. And um, I put all my shows on there. I do my own uh, really informal podcast. I just I just call it Dave's podcast, man. I'm a very non-flourish guy. I'm interested in information and just being civil to people and having a nice place where people feel welcome. You know, so. I just get invite a guest. We get on, we do a show, and that's it. Post it up. Uh, nothing extra. So I do that. Um, and then I also obviously feature on different podcasts and stuff. I, I go on my friend's podcast and people invite me. That's on my channel, too. That'll be under the playlist section. Just check that out. I update that every time I do a new show. So I've got my YouTube channel. Uh, Facebook is the best place if you want to send me a message. It's the same. It's under Dave Petrella. You'll see at the top. It says astrology, biology, spiritual guidance, uh, kind of the main topics that I cover. And I've got uh, Instagram, Dave Petrella 12, number one, two, uh, at the end of Dave Petrella, all one word. Uh, I've got my email in the about section on my YouTube channel if you guys want to send me an email. I have a full list of services, of course, uh, full Western astrology services. If you guys want to get a birth chart. Uh, find out about why you're the way you are, you know, what the purpose of life is for you, uh, where you should put your energies to have more chances of success, things like that. There's also relationship matching that's um, in with that, too. 
And then I do a lot with uh, principles of Eastern medicine. So it's essentially it's fasting, principles of fasting, principles uh, that came before the Ayurvedic discipline was developed in India, the very, very beginning. Uh, it's kind of fluid, fluid dynamics in the body, how to move your fluids, how to circulate energy properly. I can help people with that, fasting, and then also just generally spiritual guidance. So if I can help anyone, please send me a message, guys. I'd love to help you and trying to create a new world here. Um, you know, we, we got to obviously support each other in that and um, build a strong team. I do have my, uh, you guys are interested in helping me out financially. I do need the assistance financially uh, to be able to keep doing shows. I've got my new Patreon channel. It's under, it's the same. It's under Dave Petrella. Please uh, consider joining that. It really would help me. I'd appreciate that a lot. And then I've also got my PayPal link. It's posted on um, I guess, well, it's posted on most of my shows, but it's also posted on my uh, YouTube channel and my Facebook page and all that stuff. So either of those, any kind of donation would help me, guys. I really appreciate it. Right on. Yeah, I'll add, all, I'll add all that to show notes as well, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is it, say, say, say it again. The what? I'll, I'll add all that to show notes as well. Oh, yeah, underneath the description. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Yep. Cool. And I'm, I'm Chan it down radio, Chan it down podcast. I'm doing my 10th year, um, doing it this year. And it's been a show about getting out the truth on everything on the planet, all the mysteries, all the, uh, conspiracies, all the reality and just showing people, you know, how to kind of get out of their, their bubble. Um, had on guests for many years, uh, I do another podcast that's Patreon only now called Afterthoughts. It's basically what happens when um, it's all the things I forget to say in the podcast. I kind of put it in Afterthoughts and, you know, just it's something for extra listeners. Um, you can find me at on Instagram at Chant It Down and uh, Telegram. And, uh, yeah, uh, this is be marking the 10th year in June. So um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for that, but uh, – just keeping going. It's been a, a, a wild ride and um, just trusting the journey. And the only way for me to get out the information is this mouthpiece right here. So um, it's uh, a great way to to be able to express myself that way. So um, I, I'm, I'm still in it, still enjoying it, and uh, uh, continue to do it. Ten years, Loomis. You're a legend, mate. That's awesome, man. Yep, that's awesome. It is. Incredible. It went by fast. I don't know what happened. Where did time go? I don't know. <laughs> what is time, even? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually uh, 20, was it 2013, Loomis, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, we did it 2012. I think it was 2013, actually, the Curse of Oak Island TV show started. They're, they're just finishing their 10th season on TV right now. Uh, I was involved. In, yeah, I was involved during season five. And essentially, it's one season per year. So they've been on TV for 10 years. Wow. I think they're going to begin next year. But um, yeah, when I think back to how long that's been, that's a long time. But that's, I think that's, that's when all the really the good um, pieces of information started coming out around 2012. I, I started 2008, but it was slow in the beginning. Then 2012 hit, man, everything opened up. It was great. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, um, no, we'll definitely have to do this again. That was fucking incredible. Thank you, lads. Yeah, that was great. It's good to talk about all this stuff. Just a uh, great little 
place for people to dip into the the realm of of uh, you know not not traditional at all and just yeah, you know yeah. sharing our pieces of of what reality is that is yeah. much beyond the the walled off world they want you to be in yeah well thanks again I mean I'm very lucky to be speaking to you so very well um, thanks Terrell for, yeah. for putting it all together oh thanks mate no problem no problem enjoyed going off on that direction of things a little change uh looking at things and unraveling the mysteries of planet earth uh, it's always nice to go in that direction with other people and hear some very unique stories and just looking at this planet i mean you know so much has happened in our ancient past we don't understand this earth in the present either we don't understand the vortex points the strange anomalies that seem to be happening in these spots on planet earth the unexplained there's so much there's so much more we are imprisoned as a species and we're not able to find all the answers to all this and maybe we would never do it but if if that was if that was humanity's goal is to find you know answers and connect with all kinds of ET realms, spirit realms, and just under uncover our ancient past. I think that we would be a good place, a good planet to live on, because we would be looking and searching for something so much more meaningful. So I hope you you feel the meaningful uh, subjects in this, and check out subconscious realms. Uh, General Lee does an awesome job getting together a lot of people. He's, he's a real good connector of so many great people. And uh, check out Dave Petrella on YouTube. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a three-way swap cast. So I hope you enjoy. You know, I like to collaborate with all kinds of like minds and people that of all sorts and give you a plethora of subjects on Chan It Down to chew on and think about. I think you understand that I like to go all directions to really look at life on planet Earth. Much love, you guys. I'll be doing another episode probably pretty soon. Until then, keep chanting down the system. Chant It Down Radio is coming to you live from the Hawaiian Islands, coming from the perspective of complete freedom, coming from wisdom outside the system, and then some. This is the mouthpiece of the natural earth forgotten. At this point in time, humanity's been kept from the truth, so Chant It Down Radio offers the coordinates to a path out. You're searching for something whole, cause what you see is real life. You're watching this world unfold, the truth beneath the lies. Rekindling what's been stole, the need to free one's mind. Uncover the truth exposed, so people see the light. Let's turn it down so we can know. It's simple, we just break it down a little bit so we can process all. Make the switch to elevate yourself to conscious mode. And it's beneficial, we can get this kind of road and get the future. Generators want to start the whole thing But the message in this city we can start a post Taking in the simulator and getting lots of numbers Waking up the buffer, we just try to stop it, no
entonces 